Welcome to Jay Chang Piano Studio presents The Studio Podcast, where we will recap the week's events at the studio and or talk about things that have been in the air and music over the past week. This week's music term for the week is Actus Tragicus. And the Harvard Concise Dictionary of Music defines Actus Tragicus as Latin in origin, an early cantata, number 106, by Bach, composed in Mühlhausen from 1707 to 8, for an occasion of mourning. The German title is Gottes Zeit ist die allerbeste Zeit. God's time is best. And that was Actus Tragicus, our music term for the week. And I thought it would be nice to listen to a recording of Actus Tragicus, BWV 106 by J.S. Bach. Here is a recording that I found on YouTube with Ton Koopman conducting. Now the piece is actually quite a substantial piece. It is uh, here for this particular recording. It's 20 minutes long. So I'm just going to play for you the ending, Amen.
And that was the end of Actus Tragicus, BWV 106 by Johann Sebastian Bach, with Ton Koopman conducting the Amsterdam Baroque Orchestra and Choir. Thanks to Kodonauta for sharing that with us on YouTube. This week at the studio, I want to talk a little bit more about pedagogy stuff, more personal things that I have been trying to work through in my teaching style. One of the interesting things about teaching pre-college age students, especially the younger set, is that uh, there can be an element of parenting involved in your teaching. This is something that I have struggled with in my own teaching. Um, I have tended to not cross the line into parenting the student's behavior because I wasn't sure if that was something that was appropriate for me to do. Um, and, and I'm still grappling with the whole situation. I definitely have colleagues who are much more comfortable with being more parent-like in the lessons, teaching students what is appropriate behavior. And I'm starting to warm up to it. It's not something that comes naturally to me, but I'm hoping that I can change some of my behavioral patterns, some of my habits, to be a little bit more like a parent to especially my younger students who still need to learn what is appropriate behavior, just not and not necessarily for just piano lessons, but in general. The reason why um, this has come to mind of late is because I was speaking to a colleague and friend of mine who was telling me fun, fun uh, dating stories um, where one of her dates uh, at their, I guess it was a lunch date, um, at the towards the end of the meal because he had cleared up most of his plate um, he decided to uh, and because you know there were still some food bits on the plate so rather than doing you know s using the utensils to scrape up the last bits of food he picks up the plate uh, to his mouth and shovels the food into his mouth and of course my friend was completely horrified and uh, obviously did not want to continue dating this man. Um, but it put to mind, actually, um, I do have some younger siblings, and my younger brothers used to do this as well um, as adults. Uh, this was something that they did as kids, which was fine when they were kids, but um, I guess because nobody ever told them that it was not polite <laughs> to do that um, at the table, um, they, they continue to do so as adults. And this is the sort of anecdote that kind of triggered in my mind, okay, um, yes, these are children, but we are teaching these children how to be in the world, um, how to be adults in the world. And so although it may be appropriate in some sense for them to be, to, for them to not know and to behave in ways that are inappropriate, we need to show them, we need to tell them so. Um, if they are behaving in such a way, we need to stop that. You need to let them know that that kind of behavior is inappropriate and you need to do that um, immediately so that it doesn't become a bad and embarrassing habit later where you're on a date and you're behaving like this and then your date says, mm, I'm not gonna go out with you anymore because you're <laughs> behaving inappropriately um, for an adult. So, um, you know, having this conversation with my colleague actually really turned my perspective on how I might want to um, 
be a little bit more like a parent in the lessons if students are behaving in a way that would be inappropriate if they were an adult. Uh, I think I should feel comfortable saying something, even though a part of me is still feeling like, well, I'm not their parent, so it feels uh, like overstepping my bounds. But um, I think we can all agree on certain things that that um, would be appropriate or inappropriate in in um, grown-up situations. So that was a cool thing um, that I've been sort of uh, thinking on and trying to incorporate into my own teaching uh, because I do work with a number of younger students and um, they do come in and I'm happy that they they tend to all feel very comfortable around me and in my studio and that their comfortability makes them feel like they can you know be themselves and be comfortable around me but sometimes mm, maybe that makes them a little bit too comfortable like they'll be you know leaning back on the piano stool or things like that that aren't necessarily terrible for them to be doing but certainly um, if they were doing that as an adult it would be hmm, considered you know poor manners so I'm going to try to be more parent-like and say no that's not what we do <laughs> um, even though it has nothing to do with piano teaching and that is what I am primarily doing for my students um, I hope that in the future I can feel more comfortable to step in and um, parent them on um, some of their behavioral things as well so that's an interesting thing that uh, has been on my mind um, as I've been teaching this week at the studio. Something that has been in the air in music over the past week, and not actually really in music or really over the past week, but it came across my radar this past week. Um, I came across an artificial intelligence article that was published in The Atlantic, and um, Sometimes these articles point you to related content, and so this article actually pointed me to this related content that they had um, prepared a couple years before. This is from September 17, 2015, but it's new to me. It's this article that they called The Cyborg Drummer, and also came with a companion video, which I highly encourage you to go and watch the video if you're interested. I'll actually include it in the episode description but um, I'm gonna play it for you now as kind of a teaser. The only thing I remember is vaguely setting up the job and then I remember like a pink flash. I thought a bomb went off or I was in a fire or something exploded because I looked down at my body and I was just completely cooked. I got life flighted to Grady Memorial Hospital to their burn unit. After about the seventh surgery, they told me that my ulnar artery that's supplying blood to my right hand was like non-existent. My hand was pretty much just going to die. And so that's when I told them to amputate it. I was always like really like ADD, I guess, growing up. When I was 15, my parents got me a drum kit for Christmas and I was playing um, rhythms the first day I got it, you know, Eric Clapton and B.B. King. My thoughts in the hospital after I had, had my hand amputated was, I'm not playing drums anymore, I'm not playing guitar anymore. Like, everything you can't do with, you know, two or one hand. All these things thrown in my face at one time, you know, it was kind of weighed down heavy.
You only stay depressed for so long, you know. There's really no other option besides to take what you have and do something with it. My teacher showed me some videos of this robot, Shimon, that played marimba. I was just completely mind blown. And so I was all excited and I knew, I was like, Gil's probably the guy I should talk to. Everyone is talking now about robots taking our jobs. And some people look at me and say, are you evil? I understand a robot that will build a car and take a manufacturing job. I even understand a robot that will clean a floor and will take cleaning jobs. But are you going to take music from us? Music, the most human and emotional thing. So obviously the answer is a huge no. My robots are there in order to inspire humans, in order to take humans and push them to a new direction and explore new things. They don't have instructions, they don't follow pre-recorded anything. Everything that they do is based on what they listen. About a couple of years ago, I got an email from Jason Barnes, who I didn't know. And he said, I, I lost my arm in an accident. It was very de devastating for me. Life for me was music, I'm, I'm a drummer, and I saw your videos online, can you maybe use some technology to develop a robotic arm? The main thing that he wanted was to be able to control the grip of the stick, but he doesn't have uh, a wrist and he doesn't have power, so he cannot control how hard he hits, and that's very important, that's a lot of expression from, from drummers to hit very tight and to hit very loose. I really saw the potential. It, I saw, wow, we can really make something amazing from that. As soon as I got the email back from him, I was just like in awe, you know? It was, it was kind of great to have somebody on my side that was willing to help me get my life back. Uh, we sort of brainstormed, uh, Gil and I and some other classmates and some colleagues, about how we could develop sort of an electromechanical uh, device that would replace the um, functionality of his lost fingers and hands and wrists. We put some EMG sensors on his arm and based off of how he flexes, it recreates the bounce capability. After eight months or so, we, we called him and so said, it's ready. He didn't see the arm until that day that uh, it came back from California, from this company maker. He, he was really amazed the first time he, he used it. Without the project, we probably wouldn't have uh, met. But now we are gigging buddies. We, we, we travel uh, around the world and, and play together. They have this uh, robotic band um, that's been out for a while and it's just a bunch of robots, but everything's pre-programmed, nothing's you know improvised, nobody's jamming. And so with something like this, it's, it's kind of a, brings a whole new thing to the table, you know, having half robot, half man band just kind of you know, coincided with each other. The robots, they 
they never mess up, you know, so everything's on time, everything's steady. So you can get to a point where the music kind of sounds really robotic and just too perfect and there's no feel behind it. But yeah, a lot of times uh, you just kind of get caught up in the moment and you don't really realize that's, that's a robot. Even though they might be playing the same style like jazz or, or rock or something, you're going to get different types of uh, improvisations or different types of um, phrasing just because Shimon is not physically shaped like a person. There, there's no other person on the planet that has eight arms like Shimon does that can play all of these different patterns that, that, that Shimon is capable of. Or even with Jason in his prosthetic, he's able to play like 40 hertz with, with one hand, which is ridiculous. Nobody can do that. When you come with your human emotions and, and expression and you are met with robots that have computation power and mechanical abilities, there can be a spark that would lead to amazing music that, that would really be something new and, and unique. So I was like on the plane to, uh, I believe it was France, and I kind of just was thinking, you know, what, what exactly would I be doing if this wouldn't have happened to me? You know, right now I'd be at home working the same job, not really doing anything. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm traveling now. My, my life is awesome. I'm going places and getting paid to play music, which is all I ever wanted to do in the first place. You know, if you see something like that in a 90s movie, you know, it's science fiction. Now people are having to move stuff out of science fiction, you know, put it in nonfiction because that kind of stuff's real now. And so that was the Atlantic's documentary on the drummer Jason Barnes, who is still able to play drums with the assistance of some special technology, a special robotic hand. For this week's Pianos on Craigslist, I wanted to feature a rare Art Deco piano by Steck. Um, I had actually seen this posting on Craigslist a number of times over the past few weeks, um, and it really caught my eye, but I never promoted it on the podcast because it isn't exactly what I would consider a good deal, but it is an incredible piece of design work. Very, very beautiful instrument in terms of its design. It comes with the original bench, which is also a very special designed bench, so if you're a musically inclined person looking for a piano and also interested in design, this is a very attractive Art Deco style instrument. It has beautiful wood inlay stripes um, and also a very, very interesting curved um, lower cabinet. Very interesting, lovely curved lower cabinet. And again, like I mentioned, it comes with the original bench, which is also a very special, nice bench. I don't think the bench is adjustable, but it really matches the instrument very well. They are asking $1,800, so it's not exactly super cheap. But I always think it's important to get an instrument that you love to play. And part of that is actually a little bit visual, right? I mean, that's true for when you're finding partners as well. Part of that is this visual attraction. This is a very beautiful, beautifully designed Art Deco instrument. So let's see if we can get this 
a poor piano, this 1936 Steck, a new loving home. Look for the link in this week's episode description. Now, I have a special announcement to make at the end of this 43rd podcast of the studio here. Um, I've been doing this podcast for now almost a year, and obviously 42 episodes later. And I just feel like, you know what, now is the time to say goodbye to this project. I know I still haven't quite mastered it. (laughs) I was kind of hoping to get it to the point where I felt like, yeah, I've got this down. I still haven't quite mastered the art of podcasting, but it was something that I wanted to try, and I did, and it's been a lot of fun. But now I want to be able to focus my time and energy on some of the other projects that I have going on. Um, So I'm going to be saying goodbye to the podcast. I don't want to say goodbye forever, because maybe I will come back to it someday, but this year for now is uh, going to be a final podcast, episode 43. So... Thank you so much to those who have joined me along the way in this journey. I so appreciate it, especially because this is not a high-quality professional podcast and because a subject matter isn't exactly super popular or uh, interesting or anything like that. Um, So I greatly appreciate any listeners who have been out there listening to this. Um, And I wish I knew of other podcasts that I could recommend. There is a weekly one that I like to follow that is available online as well. Um, Classical KUSC, which is based out here in Los Angeles, has a podcast, um, or they create a podcast version of their Saturday morning show called Arts Alive. So if you're looking for something else to listen to that's kind of in this vein, not necessarily piano specific, but it's classical music specific, I really recommend that one. That's one that I listen to every week. Um, It's a great one. So yeah, I would encourage you to go listen to Arts Alive. I'm sure you can find it if you just do a quick iTunes search or something like that. So that was the week at J. Chang Piano Studio. My name is Josephine Chang. Thank you so much for listening.